Ladies, gentlemen, degenerates, cretins, children of all ages, welcome to Real Tales from the Bar Side. We're getting into some fun, wild, wacky, chaotic stories about bar life and the people who work in it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy these tales from the professionals in the bar and restaurant world. Have fun. Welcome to an emergency special Super Bowl Patriots versus Eagles edition of Real Tales from the Bar Side. E-A-G-L-E-S. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say P-A-T-S, Pats, 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 because that's for those other clowns in the AFC East. <laughs> this is some cool shit, man. I got Anthony Labresco back in the house from episode one, the premiere. We're back. Huge Philly fan. Huge. diehard. Eagles, Flyers, Sixers, Phillies, across the board. Across the board. And I am your host, Matt Flynn. Diehard Celtics. We're going to do it in order. Celtics first. If this was Celtics Sixers, if that shit happens, you're fucking back in this seat, man. And my blood's going to be boiling a lot more than it is right now. You are a diehard Celtics fan. But then, yeah, I love my socks. I love my pats. I'm rooting for history on this. Just because I, I just love this Brady-Belichick era, and I don't know that we'll ever see anything like it again. Well, hopefully not. Yeah. I mean, that would be ideal if we never saw that again. Well, if we saw it again with the Eagles, you might want to see well, it. Well, that's a different story. Carson that's Wentz a... goes for six or seven Super Bowls. You might change it, too. That would be amazing. So let's backtrack it. Let's go, because this is real tales from the bar side. Before we start getting passionate about this particular game, Super Bowls. You've been bartending a while. Yeah. Have you worked some Super Bowls where some crazy shit went down? Uh, you know, nothing too, too crazy. It A lot of people just, I mean, out of control drunk. That's essentially, that's the MO for bartending at a Super Bowl, you know, game. Um, I remember my very first bartending job at the Westin Hotel in Philadelphia, 2004. Um, it happened to be... The scenario that we're in right now, it was the Eagles-Patriots in Super Bowl, and um, I was begging not to work. That I just started, so I was the new guy, and there were only three other bartenders, essentially, four. Um, so I asked the one guy who could work for me, and he looked at me, he's like, I'm actually a Giants fan, and there's no way in hell I'm going to give you the satisfaction of not working and watching the game. And I was speechless. You know, I, I didn't know how to react to that. I kind of wanted to punch him in the face, but um, that wasn't going to work out. So essentially the way it went down was uh, I, I told my boss because okay. the, the uniform was very strict. It was very corporate. I had to wear the tuxedo and everything. I said, I'm going to wear my McNabb jersey over my tuxedo. You can fire me if you want to, but I'm going to wear it. So sure enough, I went into work. I figure, you know what? Everybody that's going to be watching this game is going to be at a sports bar or at their house. Like all of my friends, we were all living in Philadelphia at the time. We all had houses that we shared in Maniunk. And there was like a huge house party I was missing. Like it was absolutely brutal for me to go to work. But I figure, well, I'm going to be dead at work. I'm at least going to be able to watch the game. Uh, that did not happen. 
I actually did not get to watch the game at all. I think I saw Brian Westbrook run in a, a touchdown at one point, but the bar got slammed. It was basically like every yo-yo who uh, does not really like sports but wanted to get in the hype of the Super Bowl who were staying in the hotel, like a lot of foreigners, um, people from God knows where, the entire bar, lounge, everything filled up, was packed. I was getting my ass kicked. I did not even get to watch the game, and we ended up losing. Oh, God. So you're you better off that you missed that particular game. Yeah, I mean, if I had seen McNabb throw up in the huddle, that kind of thing. <laughs> Especially after T.O. did all of that. I mean, the guy slept in a hyperbaric chamber. Say what you want about T.O. The fact that he came back after a broken, I think it was fibula, something like that. Oh, yeah. And he did everything he could to come back and play in the Super Bowl. And we end up losing. I mean, that's just, it's brutal. Yeah, that is pretty fucking brutal, man. Because that was a badass team. You guys did have a really badass team back in 04. And I can just picture what it must have been like to have to work that because I've done it. I've done it for two Patriot Super Bowls where I've had to work and it's fucking crazy. Well, you know, at the end of the game, it kind of cleared out. And then I had this very sad, ominous bar crowd of like these high rolling Eagles fans come in and they're all drinking like Johnny Black Johnny Gold, Johnny Blue, you know, they're dropping hundreds on the bar. And you would have thought we were at like a wake or a funeral or something. Yeah. You know, it was kind of depressing. So they were dropping hundreds on the bar even after the loss. Oh, they didn't care. They They were just, just, yeah, it was was the other end of things rather than celebrating. There were stories back then of like people remortgaging their house so they could go to the, the Super Bowl game. I think it was in Jacksonville that year. Um it was ridiculous. Just the, the whole feel of it was just crazy. Well, on that note, taking it back to last year's Super Bowl, Super Bowl 51, right? Yeah. So Super Bowl 51, the New England Patriots, the reigning champions, Anthony. Come on. Oh, I know. These are the guys I, beat. It's not just five-time no, Super Bowl champion Tom Brady, Bill Ch- Belichick. These, they won last year. They are the reigning champions. They are, and that's the big deal of, you know, they want the back-to-back now. You right. guys don't have the back-to-back uh, no. now. Well, no, 0304 we had it. You did? Oh, yeah, 0304 okay. it was uh, Carolina and Philly that they took back-to-backs. But I think they're trying to go for a trinity. I think they're, they're like this whole, the whole thing with the Garoppolo trade, Brady doesn't want to go anywhere. They're, they're trying to make this uh, a new Star Wars trilogy. But and cr- you guys are the evil empire. We really are. No doubt. I won't deny that. But the crazy shit is last year. So last year's Super Bowl, two of my closest friends, the guys who run Craft Barbering Company, we did a nice spot for them last week. Solid dudes, Eric Tenberg, Jeff Barrows. They get tickets to go to the Super Bowl in Houston. And I'm not even going to fucking tell you what they spent, but it was asinine. And I'm like, you guys must really love this shit because I just couldn't imagine paying for potential heartbreak at that particular level. Yeah. So they buy these tickets, and I'm like, you know what? Good for you. Fuck it. Go have a good time. You're huge Pats fans. They go down there. I'm watching this game from the bar. I'm working. I got my Brady jersey on. And now, 
you know, a couple of years earlier, we're playing Seattle. Same thing. I'm working with the Brady jersey on. No one gives a fuck about Seattle, but everyone at the bar, Giants fans, the assholes you talked about earlier. Yeah. They're screaming in my face, laughing every time Seattle scores or, or Brady gets stopped, something happens. It's just haters. So I'm used to this. But Jesus, man, the whole, it was crushing last year's Super Bowl. It was so just, I can't believe they're getting killed it's, like this. It's almost like, do you, do you kind of wonder, is, is it fixed a little bit? Like, how do, you, how do you put up, what was it, 28 points? But and then you, you don't ever it, score again. If you watch it, though, man, I mean, it's, the, I, the shoelace catch, I get it. You, you, can't, you can't make that shit up. You, you can't, can't make that, that up. It's just ever since the lights went out in the Super Bowl, I've always been a little questioning of, you know. I question all this shit. Yeah. Since the Black Sox, you know, it's just yeah. kind of one of those things where something's always going on. I don't know what, but something's happening. But I'm sitting in the bar thinking, Eric and Jeff just dropped God knows how much money and their hearts are my hearts are breaking for them I can't believe they're at this game these poor guys oh then the comeback comes and the first two-point conversion they got I went motherfuckers <laughs> you knew these guys are witnessing history these yeah. lucky fucks are sitting in the stadium right now witnessing history and they I mean they just sit back and tell that story still to this day just kind of with a huge smirk on their face like it was the greatest thing I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, I mean that that comeback um as a sports fan that's pretty amazing to see. Whether I'm I'm a sports fan first and foremost. You know, obviously Eagles Philadelphia is my number one, but I appreciate sports even if it's teams that I don't like, I'll still watch the game because of the sportsmanship and seeing what goes into, you know, you never know what's going to happen on the field. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you watched uh, on a quick side note, uh, the, uh, the college football championship game. No, I can't get into college. What that rookie kid, not rookie, but that true freshman kid did came back and won the game for Alabama. I'm not an Alabama fan, but I was rooting for this kid cause it was amazing. You know, if you, if you love sports, you can appreciate it on a level, you know, even if you hate the Pats or whoever. Totally. But it's, you got to appreciate something like that. I did see the highlights from that game and it was magical. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. For me, college sports, it's just, it's not refined. Yeah. I love professional sports, even with all the, the problems that go on inside. It's a different new level of things, but professional by and large, just by its name, I enjoy that level of sporting events, but I'll watch a fucking middle school basketball game. I don't, I'm into it. I just like the sport basketball specifically football. I'm kind of down on man. And I'm, I'm really rooting for legacy for these guys, for the new England Patriots right now, Brady and Belichick, especially, but it's just, it's just fucking gross. A lot of what's going on in football and what's been happening and how poorly they treat the players. And these guys are having all these conditions that aren't covered with insurance or anything through their unions down the oh, it's road. It's insane. It's, it's like in the NBA, you sign your contract. And if I'm not mistaken, if you end up getting hurt, you still get all your money. Yeah. You know? Completely. And I had a, a, a buddy of mine from uh, college, he, ends, he ended up playing in the NFL. He actually played special teams for the Eagles for three years. Well, technically two and a half. Um, he suffered like a pretty massive back injury on a play and was not able to play at a professional level. He, a couple years later, ended up playing for the Philadelphia Soul for a season. But 
it was kind of like, you know, he made that league minimum, which was good money. Don't get me wrong. Coming out of college and you're still making like six figures, mm-hmm. you're doing well. Um, but that money went quick, you know, like he bought the Escalade with the TVs in the back and we would go to clubs and he would pay for everything and we had a great time. Fortunately enough, he did stash some money away and he has a very successful football youth camp right now that he's like killing it. He's doing really well. But a lot of these guys, I feel like they don't know what to do with all this money. You know, it's the ESPN had that 30 for 30 about these guys blowing all their money. And the one guy had his million dollar signing bonus check in a frame. He never even cashed it. It was just on the wall in a frame. And of course, after a year, you can't cash it. He had a million dollars framed on the wall that he can never use. And now the guy's dead broke. You know, so it's, it is, it's, it's sick. It's sick. And it's, it's kind of funky. Everybody. And I really hate it when people get on their high horse about these guys make too much money. Like, no, they don't. They don't. A lot of them are covering their own medical bills. A lot of them just didn't really get a solid education to get into anything really substantial once their careers are over. The window is so small. I don't know about you, man, but I've been fucking working since I was 11 and 11 to like 22. I made a good amount of money to support myself and to live a life a certain way. These kids are putting everything they have into this sport, whatever oh, the sport is. They don't, they, by and large, most of them don't work. They're not making money. They're training for that amount of time to get these contracts. Well, and the owners, they obviously, they treat everything like a business, you know, um, which is understandable. I mean, you're talking billions and billions of dollars, but it's almost like you, you lose a little bit of the humanity in the whole business aspect. You have guys running full steam at each other at 280 pounds, and then you get a concussion, and it's like it, the long-term effects, um, it's bad. It is. You know? And I think you hit the nail on the head just with the size and the speed. I think speed's the biggest thing right now. I'll talk about that too whenever we have a Celtics playoff uh, <laughs> podcast. But it just seems like, yeah, that the may guys. Happen this year, we may play you guys somewhere I in know, the playoffs. I know, if I we're know, the low seed and you're the high seed, it could get interesting quick. Yeah. It could get interesting fast. These, the size of these athletes has always been monstrous. Athletes are always monstrous. They're big guys, by and large, for most sports. But the fact that diet and workout regimen has now really kind of enhanced different twitch muscles and fibers and things that really allow people to gain a level of speed and quickness with that size, that people are just going to continue to get hurt more and more based on that. Well, I'll tell you who I have the utmost respect for is uh, hockey players. Because you look at the size of some of these guys. First of all, you're on skates, so you're sitting up higher. You're moving at a much higher rate. You pretty much have the same amount of pads on that an NFL guy does, except you're getting slammed in the walls. Um, you know, you have a, a a frozen puck flying at your face. Yeah. And you're playing 82 games yeah. a year. You know, so I think from an NHL standard... These guys, those guys are highly underappreciated, I feel like, for what they go through, you know, missing teeth and this and that. Nobody ever talks about them. No, they don't. No one ever talks about them. There was a guy, I think, on the Dallas Stars a couple years ago. He ended up having, it wasn't a heart attack, but he had some sort of heart condition. He technically died, and they brought him back to life in the locker room. 
they resuscitated him. He died for a minute. They resuscitated him, and he wanted to go back out on the ice and play. Yeah. And they would not let him. I should hope <laughs> yeah. not, right? But that's the level of commitment yeah. a lot of the athletes have. And teams, ownership, they need to be able to protect their investment from themselves at times when these guys who are true competitors want to do things that aren't really in their best interest. And that goes above and beyond. These people, if you want to consider your players an investment, you should consider them a life investment. Not yeah. just for the moment, but just something that like, all right, we're going to commit to this. And if they need to put money into health insurance plans that keeps these guys covered after the fact, once they're retired, I think they should. I think that players union really needs to step their game up because MLB and NBA, that shit would never fly. No. I mean, those guys, it's great. They get their money no matter what. But And, and that's what I don't understand about the NFL. I know you have a much bigger roster. Um but you got to pay these guys. Yeah, no, you got to pay them. The roster, I think, I don't get it either. I don't get the cap trades in the NFL. I'm like, what the fuck sense does this make? They hardly Dude, when ever we got, look right on paper. When we got Jay Ajayi this year, that came out of absolutely nowhere. Nowhere. Nobody knew that was going on. And he was one of the top backs coming out at the beginning of the year. They're like, this guy is a monster. Well, yeah, and especially coming out of college, you know, there was a lot of hype behind him. And it was almost like a Ricky Williams type hype. And he just wasn't getting the type of play time. Well, not the play time, but he just wasn't getting the coverage and everything that he needed in Miami. And he was pretty outspoken about that. And they didn't like that. So it yeah. was like, well, you know what? Go play for Philly, which is great because the kid's in the Super Bowl now. Right. Yeah. And he's wearing Brian Westbrook's old number, 36, which is a great omen. I love that. I'm so happy you got that number. Yeah. I w- we'll get to Westbrook and the 04 team. That was, a, <laughs> that, was, that was a fucking serious team, man. What about squares? Do you ever run a, a Super Bowl boxes or Super Bowl squares for anybody who doesn't know what these are at oh, home? Oh, yeah. They're great. Um so basically, just a quick breakdown of what they are. Paint the picture. So it's a grid of 100 squares. You buy a square. It's arbitrary. You just write it on. The, the sides are empty. And once you buy squares, once everything's full in the whole grid, the day of the game, people pick numbers out of a hat arbitrarily and write whatever numbers they pick down the side. It's kind of like battleship. Yeah. So at the end of each quarter, whatever... The score is the number that ends on one team side is on one side of the grid, and the number that ends with the score on the other team side is on the other side of the grid. And if you match, again, kind of like Battleship, you win however much. So it's a gambling thing. It's a lot of fun. Most people throw like 50, 100 bucks in, and you win 2,000 a square. Yeah, we always did um, We did 20 bucks, and technically you have to say points. Right on the top, like twenty points. That's the kind of thing you have to do to prevent to, to get arrest. around it. Nobody yeah. ever ever busts you on it. No. But um, yeah, we used to do it at my old bar all the time, and that's fun. I mean, that's just an added bonus while you're watching a game. And usually, uh, the guys who would end up winning, you know, fifteen hundred bucks, they come in, they buy a round of shots for everybody at the bar, and yeah. then, you know, throw fifty, a hundred bucks on the bar. Which is standard. I mean, if you're going to win that, you definitely got to take care of the bartenders and stuff. It's just kind of like common courtesy because you just won $1,500, whatever it is. Uh, My local spot in Astoria, they do, it's 100 bucks a box. So the payout's pretty high on those. 
Um, you do have to specify some places do the final score and yeah. some places do fourth quarter. Well, so we didn't means, have that until last year. Yeah, yeah. If it goes into overtime, you have to specify that if you're going to do one of these boxes, make sure you specify, are you doing the final score or are you doing the fourth quarter score? Because if it's the final score, it's a different story, you know, yeah. if it goes into overtime. Because then you got somebody who could have won the fourth quarter who's now pissed off because there was confusion. So. so we had that last year. Last year was the first year that I did this. I did, uh, me and my buddy Joe, who you'll, <laughs> you'll all get to hear on this podcast, and trust me, you'll want to have a beer with him afterwards. He's one of my best friends. He's a mad dog. Put us together. It's crazy town. And we ran squares. We're like, oh, you know what? Let's do it this year. Everybody wants them. So we did 50 a box, and we'd never done it. And I think we started it in like week two of the playoffs. And these are a motherfucker to fill. There's 100 people you got to give. Get, oh, yeah, especially at 50 bucks. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so tough. It was like, all right, typically the house gets 10%. I said, we're going to take 20 because I'm not going to pay out of my pocket to fill these. And if we can't fill it, you have to. Like, if you come up and you fill this thing halfway, the rest of it has to come out of your pocket. You yeah. can't just give this money back or these points. <laughs> yeah, the points. <laughs> so I... Uh, I was like, this is what we're going to do. And then we told everybody up front, listen, it's $1,000 a quarter. That's the payout, 50 a box. Everybody was fine with it. One guy after the fact was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's money missing. House only takes 10%. I was like, well, we're not. We're taking 20. It's a thousand. I, you know, the payout's a thousand bucks. Oh no, I don't, I don't, I don't, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. I'd rather have my money back. Thank you. Give him his money back. Whose fucking box you think comes up? This <laughs> idiot, right? And and we did. We managed to sell. I think we were um, a little bit over the twenty percent. So he and I each got like seven hundred bucks, seven hundred points to put in our pocket. That's pretty good. And that was really cool. I don't know why I never thought of that. We never did that at my old bar. We just all the money went right into the box. Yeah, no, you got <clears throat> like it's such a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, I'm taking, and we won one. Oh, and dude. we won one, but then uh, everybody started getting a little suspicious because then this horrible waitress who we had to convince to do it, and then she was pissed when she she had thought something different than what the rules actually were, and she wanted her money back. We're like, shut up, come on, dude. Yeah, when you're dealing relax. with money like that in a bar, you have to. It has to be very upfront. This is what we're doing. This is the way it goes. No if ands or buts, no gray areas yeah. because y- you can really piss people off. Yeah, you know if they were supposed to win. I actually I hit a box last year was the first time I ever hit a box, so I might be even Steven now just because of that box and over what you the put years in of yeah. what I put in. Um, but the one bar that I mentioned in Queens, they actually put their box up. I think it was before Thanksgiving. They already put the Super Bowl boxes up. Because they're doing a hundred dollars a pop, yeah. So to sell out a hundred boxes at a hundred bucks a pop, it takes a while, you know. Because think about it: who really wants to put down a hundred dollars like that? Anthony, there's a bar in my neighborhood, five thousand a box, five grand a five, five thousand points a box, five thousand points per box. The payout is fucking ridiculous. But think about that; like that's insane. And you know you're you're putting up cash. There's no like writing a check or a Venmo. That no. means you're you're going to the bank. You're taking out five grand, 
and you're giving it to somebody else who's hopefully going to put it in the safe or something. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine that, though? Like, even... I couldn't imagine giving $5,000 to someone to trust that if I did win, to trust that they weren't just going to go to Belize well, you the know, next day with it. Last time we were talking about how bars close, and the bar that I worked at before that had shut down that I'd mentioned in the first podcast, mm-hmm. we had all thrown in $100. We did one of the, the baseball pools to 13. You do 0 to 13. Um, do you ever do this? No. So it's a box system. You get uh, out of a hat, you get a random team. So your team, basically, the score has to end in 0 to 13 runs. And the first person to get 0 to 13 runs marked off, your team gets those runs as the final score. So you have to do one of each? Exactly. Each okay, cool. Each team, you have to get, you know, you have to get blown out. You have to get a 0. You have to get win a game with one run or lose. It doesn't matter. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah, but it's really tricky. And I had, I think I had the Cardinals, and all I needed was 12 runs. And it ended up the guy on the Washington, uh, whoever had the Nationals that year, ended up getting it because all they need was eight runs. But the bar had already shut down. And we had already all given our $100 in. So where did the money go? To who? Who was holding it? The owner. Oh. The owner had the money. Never. You never, so, never. You can't trust owners. So I thought about this like well after the fact. And I don't know if the guy ever got his money or some of it. Did he get... I, I don't know what happened at that point. But um, yeah, you know, if, if you're throwing in five grand, that'd be a good like send-off if you wanted to close the bar down. It's crazy. You know, if, if I'm that bartender, you, you're thinking... You're thinking once it hits like thirty grand cash, you got to be just like, well, yeah. Right. And you know you're getting awfully... hunted. You know you're getting hunted a hundred percent. Oh yeah. But it's still just you, wild you'll be looking to over your shoulder for the rest of your life. You know, you think about it. You don't do these things. Yeah. But you think about no, it. And you're kind of like, well, oh. it's natural for it to cross your mind. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts. But that's the thing with the Super Bowl. It brings out so much crazy shit. We had Janet Jackson's nipple. We've got fucking commercials that people watch for now. You've got, it's such an event, like you said, foreigners, people who don't follow the sport. If they're in the U.S., they're really rooting for it. The same way if I'm in Europe, I watched a world, uh, a Champions League soccer game that was really, I don't know, relevant at the time, wherever I was. It was in Greece, I think, or Rome. And it was like, fuck, man, everybody's getting into this. I don't know the first fucking thing about it. I don't know the teams. They sure as shit don't know the players, but I'm in on the hype. Well, you know, that's Nikki and I were in uh, Amsterdam during the Euro Cup one year. I think it was when Italy ended up winning. It might have been 2012, something like that. That was insane. I mean, that like Amsterdam's a big party to begin with, but to have Italy win the Euro Cup... At that time, I mean, it was bonkers. People were just walking around uh, till six in the morning. We had a flight. We had to leave in the morning. Six in the morning, the whole square that we were, where the hotel was, was packed with Italy Italian fans just going nuts, drinking yeah. and having a great time at six in the morning. And know? why the fuck wouldn't you want to join in on that? Yeah, if I didn't have to catch my flight, right. I would have. Yeah, hundred percent. But that's the thing. There's a lot of festivities. There's a lot that goes along with this now that's cultural to Americana. It's not just football. It's not the sport. Most of it just isn't the sport at all now. It's just a real kind of Chinese New Year for us. Well, you know, it's funny because 
I got all these text messages from uh, you know my friends who are New York fans and everything like that, and they're like, "Oh, we saw that you guys had to grease the the light pole so people wouldn't climb up the Broad Street light pole and all this." And I'm like, "You know what, Philly? I get it. We do get a bad rap sometimes. There's been some crazy shit that we've done. I get it, but we are not the only ones. If you look at." All these European teams. You look at what goes on in South America where they rush the field and the refs have to worry about their lives. You know, we, yeah. we can get a little nuts, but you Boston fans, I mean, you guys get crazy No, too. we're savages, absolutely. Yeah. And, and New Yorkers aren't really that bad. People, like, they're right in the middle geographically between us, but, like, they'll go a little crazy. But... If they lose, they lose. There, there isn't the kind of crazy shit that goes down. You know down. what I think it is with that? And it, it goes back to when I first moved up here like nine years ago. Somebody said to me, uh, it was one of my first days working at the bar. They said to me, oh, well, now that you live in New York, are you a Mets or Yankees fan? And I turned around. I, I said, well, I don't understand that question. What, what is that? That question makes no sense in my world. I'm like, what do you mean? You, you live here now. Like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Just because I moved here, it doesn't mean all of a sudden I'm a Mets, Yankees, Jets, Giants. Fuck no. I don't give a shit. I don't root for Pittsburgh when Pittsburgh's in everything, in anything. No. You know, it's it's a very fine line. As a sports fan, if my teams aren't in it, there are teams that I prefer to others. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But let's get one fucking thing clear. I've been in New York City over 10 years. I'm a New Yorker. Boston, Massachusetts, specifically Marshfield, 30 minutes south on the water between Plymouth and Boston. It's a <laughs> fucking gem of a town I was lucky to grow up in is the motherland. Always has been, always will be, and you will never take those sports teams or anything affiliated with that area out of my blood, no matter yeah. where I go or how long I'm there. So with that in mind, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get fucking nasty. Now we're going to start talking about Eagles. Oh, the Pats. gloves are coming off? Well, we won't get too nasty, but we'll see what happens after these messages. Do you have plans for the Super Bowl? If not, get your ass to the Two Door Tavern, 1576 Third Avenue. Upper East Side between 88th and 89th Street. We're going to have all kinds of crazy beer, wing, and whatever specials all night. I'm going to be bartending. I'll be there in a Brady jersey. If you're a Pats fan, come hang out. Cheer on Tom Brady and Bill Belichick with me. If you hate the Pats, come on out. Yell horrible things at me throughout the entire game, and I'll just smugly smirk at you. It's going to be great. We're going to have a lot of fun at the Tudor Tavern, Sunday, February 4th. I don't know, kicks off around 6 or something. Get there earlier. Call. Shoot me a text. If you don't have my number, I'm not giving it to you. But we'll try and reserve something. Let's make it happen. Fun for the Super Bowl at the Two Door Tavern. We are back. Okay, let's talk about 04. Let's start there. Time Machine, 2004. Pats have won uh, two Super Bowls at this point. This is their third in four years, matched up with the Eagles. Tom Brady, four years earlier, or three years earlier, took over for Drew Bledsoe 
after a Bledsoe injury and led the team to its first Super Bowl victory in 01. Um, kind of a little bit maybe like the Nick Foles-Carson Wentz situation. I don't know. We'll compare it to that in a minute. But back in 04, you guys had a fucking hell of a team, man. And so did the Pats. We did. I think we were 13-3 and three that year. Yeah. Um, and I think the Pats were 14-2. and two. So, I mean, yeah, these were We these were pretty neck seeds. and neck. And that was, I mean, we lost T.O. for the last few games of the season. That was that was gut-wrenching. I feel like this whole thing with Wentz is, is much more, and thank God for Nick Foles right now. Um, God bless him. <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely. You know, 04 was just that. I was always a big McNabb fan. Yeah. You know, towards the end of the year, end of his career in Philadelphia, I was having trouble defending the guy to even other Eagles fans at that point. Same thing with Andy Reid. I love Andy Reid still. You know, it's a shame he's not having success in KC that everybody thought that he would. He's a great guy. He's a great coach. He did reach that point in Philadelphia where it was like, all right, Andy, you have to go now because he, he just wore out all of his tricks, everything like that. And we went to, what, four NFC championship games. We made it to the Super Bowl once. We had all these great teams. And honestly, it's just it, it can get very frustrating when you have, maybe not to the level of a Bills fan. No, I mean, that's leave just those poor the, bastards Yeah, alone. I'm not even going to touch that. Amber, but, Murph, Meg, I'm sorry. Yeah. Buffalo fans, my God. God, God bless you all. I know, but, I know. You know, it is – it. It's tough. It is. It's especially when you love your team so much. Yeah. You know, and we're on the opposite ends. We're fighting for our first Super Bowl win. And you guys are like, well, we just want to be the, the most dominant team ever kind of thing. You know, yeah. it's a, two completely different feelings. Well, you're so you're going for the first and Brady's going for the first 40 year old. Right, yeah. he's still he's and right no, now and number six. And number six, so he's going to have that record. Yeah, and that's the knock on Andy Reid to go back to him. I mean, great regular season coach. There's really not many better. Can't get it done on the biggest stage. Look how he no, started he really this can't. year, this fucking year. He rolled through the first five games. He was yeah. crushing people. And what happened? It, like Alex Smith had decent MVP odds in week five, week. Well, six. the thing with Alex Smith is the guy doesn't turn the ball over. You know, and, and he finally had a year where he put up like legitimately big numbers for him. You know, you never used to see uh, him throw three touchdowns and 300 yards. No. That was like he had one touchdown, 200 yards, but he didn't turn the ball over at all. You know, because they had the D and they had a run game with Jamal Charles and everything. And, and now they got Hunt and they got all these weapons. It's like. Why can't you get it done now, Andy? Right. What's the you excuse? Know, what's the excuse? Yeah, and then there and isn't in, one. And they had a weak division this year. Yeah. You know, there was nobody really challenging them out there. So uh, with Andy Reid, I feel like one of his big th- problems that Andy always had was clock management. He just he could not manage the, the game clock, especially in the fourth quarter. He was garbage at it. And that's kind of the Mike Tomlin knock, too, even though Tomlin's won. And I think he's a better coach. I actually yeah, I like, like Mike, Mike Tomlin, Tomlin. Yeah, but it, it's kind of the same knock when you hear something about him, some criticism. It's a lot based on clock management, which is fucking huge. People don't realize how difficult that is in the NFL. And do you think that had any part in the loss in 04? 
<clears throat> you know, like I said, I didn't actually even really see you the game. You didn't get to see it, sure. But yeah. from what I know of the game, I, it might have been that. I, I kind of, I hate to say it, but it might have been McNabb too. McNabb was you know? another one. He was, it, it's like where Brady and Belichick, and I'm not being a dick. This isn't me trying to rub no, shit in. No, it's fine. I get but it. But where Brady and Belichick are the masters of the big stage. McNabb and Reed kind of became the antithesis to that. And they could, they were amazing. They were greats, and they could get it done. But you got fucking Brian Westbrook, Terrell Owens, McNabb, Reed. Yeah. I mean, this was... And it, we had that Jimmy Johnson defense, which, God rest Jimmy's soul, like, this is kind of what the defense this year reminds me of. Jimmy Johnson always had this bend-don't-break defense. Like, you might get in the red zone... But you're lucky if you walk out with a field goal because they just they would always turn it on in the red zone, and I feel like we have a very similar um, defense this year going up against you guys. Honestly, and going back to being a sports fan, what's always bothered me yet impressed me with New England is every year you guys plug in a bunch of random guys. That I mean, your run game this year with Galise and White and uh, Burkhead and all these guys. Who the hell are but these Lewis, guys? Lewis is the guy. Here's the thing about like clock killing. Corey Dillon took it to the fucking hole in 04. Yeah. He was a big part of but that team. But that's the thing is. But they haven't had the, a fucking running back like him since him until Lewis this year. But again, to your point, who the fuck is Dion Lewis? Yeah. And it goes from game to game. You never know who's going to get the rock. From a fantasy football standpoint, having anybody on the oh, Patriots, no. it's, no it's very difficult to plug them into your lineup yeah. because you never know who's going to get the ball that other than Gronk. If you're talking fantasy, Gronk makes yeah. touchdowns. That's what he does. Although, you know? I mean, yeah, if you're if you're going fantasy wise, you know, it, receivers are a different beast, and that's the thing. You can they do plug in random guys. They turn Chris Hogan into something special. Yeah, he's not gonna absolutely blow your mind with his season statistics, but he is a gamer, and they've turned him into something really special. And no one really knew Chris Hogan. Amendola, people don't understand, was a fucking boss on the Rams when they scooped him up. This yeah. just wasn't some Joe Schmo. No, he, he was legit. that was a steal. Cooks, Cooks hasn't even begun to reach a ceiling, in my opinion. Like that kid is out of this world too. I thought, honestly, going into this year, I thought, because I was a Brandon Cooks fan when he was on the Saints, I thought he was going to end up being that Moss-Brady combo again. He could. It's he, just going to take the time. There. Yeah, it's yeah. just going to take some time with him. But think, and that's a dangerous thing. That's a sh- crazy <clears throat> dangerous thing. And you get Edelman back next year. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's really just an embarrassment of riches of people that they have just gone out of their way to turn into something special. But back when Deion Branch was the MVP in 04, I mean, that guy played out of his mind. Yeah. He was amazing in that Super Bowl. And you had, I mean, the defense. Willie McGinnis was my guy back then. I loved him. I just loved watching him clean people's clock. I don't think the Pats have that rush defense this season. I don't think they have that 04. And again, this is the the first time the Patriots have faced this yeah, a team they've you, already played in the Super Bowl. You once. know what's scary about you guys, and and I ha- I hate admitting this kind of stuff, but I watched the last uh, f- I watched the end of the game against you guys and the Jags, 
And the Jags were playing a hell of a game, and their defense Definitely. is nasty. But you guys always manage to do these ridiculous defensive plays, um, offensive plays. You know, I forget who's uh, who was your safety who jumped up. It was a legitimate play. There was no foul, no nothing. He just literally batted the ball to end the game. To, to end the game. Yeah. Like I mean, um, you um, guys just have these intangible moments where you just you come out and you get it done. Yeah. It's crazy. How many times you do it over and over and over and over again? It is. And it's nuts, but there's a formula to it. And what I don't... The thing is, once you have this experience on a big stage, and this is how you beat the Eagles. You let them beat themselves. Because Nick Foles, I really feel like you don't rush. You don't rush Nick Foles. You play man coverage. You fucking stick like glue to receivers. And you just keep the front... I don't feel that this Eagles team is that pedigree of Eagles teams past. I was talking to a friend about this. They remind me of the 2008 Phillies who ended up winning the World Series that mm-hmm. year. They just they have this camaraderie, they have um this feel about them where they love being the underdogs right now. Sure. You know, everybody Malcolm Jenkins, the fact that they move this guy around to three different he lines up at three different positions on the defense. They plug him in in so many different ways. This is not like, honestly, it's not any other Eagles team I've seen before. And all my buddies, we have like a 15-person text chain that goes out for every game. Mm-hmm. And when Wentz went down against the Rams, I mean, it. we ended up winning the game, which was huge. But there was like this, like you just got punched in the stomach, you know, and I said to all my friends, because we, I mean, we were all a mess. And I was like, look, Nick Foles threw seven touchdowns. He had 21 touchdowns. He threw seven touchdowns against the Oakland Raiders in one game. He threw 21 on the season with only two picks. The kid, if he doesn't turn the ball over, he can make stuff happen. We he can totally the run make game. stuff happen. No, you do we have, have the run the game. D. This is a different feel for this football team than I've ever seen. I agree with that, and you are playing pretty loose and free. And a big part of that is I feel like a lot of Eagles players are kind of like, dude, we're playing with house money. We don't need to fucking go nuts and like, oh, my God, this is everything we've worked for because our guy went down. Carson Wentz goes down, and it's kind of like we're fucked. They didn't play to lose, but they're playing free and easy. And it's just it's fun to watch. But I really feel like if you stick to the receivers and you don't try, if you play their game, if you're New England on the D, defensive end, I really just think that's your best shot at this. On the other end of it, your defense fucking terrifies me. Yeah. And I think to beat the Pats, you've got to just rush Brady and hope to God that he doesn't find the open man because you're putting an extra guy up front to rush. You know, honestly, I was... I was kind of hoping that the Jags were going to beat him up a little bit more. He took some pretty good shots, especially at the end of the game. Like, yeah. He got jacked up pretty good. And, uh, you know, that little bit of a dirty Philly fan was just hoping that, you know, kind of rough him up a little bit. Other I, than, I, I get it, man. You know, especially when he pulls all this shit with, you know, <laughs> the whole thing with his thumb. That was so ridiculous to watch where he's wearing gloves in the uh, – 
in the interviews and stuff like that. It's like, what the hell is going on? That was on amazing. With these? And who it's, the hell knows guys, if it's anything? It's you guys just are a, like a media play. It totally is. Yeah. And he comes you know? out in a Nintendo Power Glove from 1985. And it's hilarious to watch. It's like, this guy's the fucking best. I love him. And it's just complete and total mental warfare. And it just distracts from everything else. Whatever it is, I dig what they do. I like how they play. And I'm afraid of Chris Long. I'm afraid of Cox because, hey, Chris Long knows the system. And that's kind of wild. He had a big game for us, too. Definitely. And he was a Pat who knows the system. And he knows how to exploit it. But on the other end of it, I think Belichick and the coaching staff gets off on the fact that, all right, cool, now we really have to step our game up and outsmart the guy who knows our system. To Chris Long's uh, personal credit, he did donate his entire salary to charity this year. So he's playing for free. Did he really? He really did. To what charity? I don't know which one it is. I, I texted my buddies this in Philly, and they're all like, yeah, Anthony, we knew that. You know, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, they're up. And to I said, speed "Well, I'm everything. up here, so we yeah. don't get that kind of we, we, news." I've got up things here. going on in New York. All right, we yeah, find out shit exactly. a little late. You, you guys could have sent me a message, <laughs> give me some ammo to throw at people up here. You know, the Good Samaritan versus Tom Brady and his UGG boot commercials. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you know, exactly. hate all you want, haters. Hate all you want. Throw it. Throw it all you got. And that cheesy mattress commercial, man. Really, he takes an elevator up, and they open up a door, and there's a mattress with like no sheets on it. It's, I don't know. He just he is he, sacrificing his entire middle age to continue playing. If you until are he's not killed. a Pats fan, it is the easiest thing in the world to hate Tom Brady. I'm but sorry, you it know just what? it really is. If you're not, uh, the argument beyond that, and yes, I agree, is that other than maybe the Cowboys, you motherfuckers are the most hated team outside of the Patriots in that the is, NFL. That is true. So you've got uh, most of my friends here are like, I don't know who the fuck they root for. I hate both you motherfuckers. Oh yes. Yeah, and it's crazy because it's like, wow, most of you I, Giants I fans really, who really do don't think like. Think I'm starting to get a little bit Giants fans that I'm friends with. They're kind of like, we want you to beat. You know, it's almost I'm feeling a little bit of sympathy. Like, all right, it's been too long. You guys finally, you need a Super Bowl, and you got to beat Brady. I think if we were playing anybody else, we would be shitted on for sure. But the fact that the team that we have and everybody just nobody wants to see Brady get six, you know? Nobody wants to see him have yeah. that record. Well, nobody wanted to see him get five because then he's there's no argument because he's the greatest ever if he gets five. And then he got five. And they're still like, Well, Montana had four, but, but he you never know lost. The, the, in the tricky Super Bowl. thing with this all, and I guess it's a whole big game of what ifs, and it goes back to what I was saying about how you guys happen to plug all these guys in your system year in and year out and win. If he goes to a different team, what levels of success did would the guy really have? I think he's so is it, is it more Belichick do. or what? I think Belichick is what puts puts it way over the top. But you're looking at a guy who I think literally I don't I don't think this is hyperbole. I'm pretty sure had the worst physique and fitness tests of any quarterback in combine history. You look at pictures of Brady with his shirt off at the combine when he went pick, what, 199? Yeah. He looks like a plumber that's just been hanging out for, you know, at, at the bar for 10 years drinking Miller Lite. So I guess Miller Giselle Light. just got him in, in check. Whatever what it happened? was. No, he's a fucking gamer. He and Bridget is. Moynihan got him in check, if anybody, because she, she was around at the start. Either way, this dude 
is a fucking gamer and he does whatever it takes to get himself to a level where he's eating nothing but like, I don't know, fucking uncooked yams. I don't know what the fucking TB12 <laughs> diet is. It's something insane. And the guy just commits. He commits to it. It's unparalleled to anything I've ever seen for a 40-year-old man. Like yeah. Guys can do this and be gamers. In the NFL. In the NFL, right. They can be gamers to a certain point in Wait, the 30s. Wait, did Brett Favre... Was he 40 when he was on the Vikings and they went to the NFC Championship game? He was close. He was close. He was yeah. pushing it, right? But, I mean, he was a guy that was more of a Larry Bird mold. He wasn't eating kale. Yeah. No, you know, he, he looked 75. And he had the gray hairs, and he was rocking those Wrangler jeans, man, and yeah. making the commercials look rugged raw. But he was not on that TB12 diet. No, he that definitely was, a different was not. Beast. And I don't know, man. I just give Brady all the credit in the world. And, and I think if they win this, it, it's just going to be embarrassing at this point. Right? Because we're t- New England fans, honestly, I'll be completely honest. And I hate admitting this. You guys might be the most hated fans if you end up winning this, though. We, we're kind of turning into Yankees yeah. fans. Think about that. And I'm a fucking Boston fan. I hate admitting that. You know but the there's worst... an expectation now. There's an actual expectation that we're going to make the Super Bowl. On a quick side note, the worst fan I've ever met in my entire life was this total douchebag in my bar one time. And he had a Yankees hat on. And I don't know how we got talking about sports. The guy claimed he was diehard, but yet he didn't know anything about anything. And I was like, well, who's your football team? Are you a Giants fan? He goes, no, I'm a New England fan. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. So you're a Yankees Pats fan. Awful. Get the fuck out of my Get bar. The fuck out. Like you yeah. should not be allowed in any establishment because you're the worst human being on the planet. How do you do that? You, I don't you're know. just a scumbag at that point. No, it's it's you just know? front running bullshit. And that's crazy, man. I, I know a lot of people in New York that are like, Oh yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm a Pats fan. I'm like, no shit, where'd you grow up? Oh, the Bronx. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my grandfather. Your grandfather. You grew up in the Bronx, man. Own your team. You, you know what it is? It's a. It's tough playing teams like the Yankees and the Pats. When we played, when the Phillies played uh, the Yankees in 2009, they were interviewing all these Yankees fans, and the one guy had the balls to say on camera, he's like, you know, it's been seven long years since we've won a World Series. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to jump through the fucking TV. That yeah. was the most absurd shit I've ever heard. Expectation. There's yeah. an expectation that they'll be there and win. And that's really become what's happened with the, with the Pats. Especially, I don't want to say especially in the NFL, because it's hard to repeat in Major League Baseball, too. That's, but you know that's what? no easy you, task. I'll give it to Boston. You guys, you're lucky. You have... What, the Celtics, you guys have won a couple years, no, what, 10 we years won ago? One. We won one 10 years back. Okay, yeah. the Bruins, I think you guys have two in the last 10 years. I think it was one in 11, I think. No, I think you guys There's have two, two Okay, actually. you'd be better suited today. Yeah, to and, know you know, and then you have the, the Red Sox, who They've did what three. they did. Yep. And I got to say, Boston beating the Yankees... Down three games to none. It was the that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in sports. It was by amazing. The way. It was amazing. Other than maybe the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. I mean, those are comparable, and that's that's saying something. It's totally. Wild. Although I don't know if you know this, but in 2010, when the Flyers made the Stanley Cup, we ended up beating Boston. We were down three games to none. Took it to Game Seven in Boston. 
We were down three goals to none after the first period. We came back one, four, three. You won it, really? Yes. Okay, so that's that's that kind of the huge. same thing, right? That was massive. That's yeah. also the only three. But it, like I said, hockey doesn't get no, the hype doesn't. like every other sport does. No, it definitely doesn't. I think a big thing I just want to put out there, especially in New York City, is if when you're watching this game, if you're a fucking diehard Pats fan, diehard, like out of your mind, go to a Pats bar or stay home. Yes. If you're a diehard Eagles fan, maniac, diehard, go to an Eagles bar or stay home. And if you are not a diehard Eagles fan, stay the fuck out of Eagles bars. Yes. And if you are not a diehard Pats fan, stay the fuck out of Pats bars. Because I'll tell you, man, yeah. in that 18-1 and season when I moved to New York in 07, I went to a Patriots bar, Riviera. I don't even know if it still is. No, anymore. they closed they down. They closed I that shit by. down. Okay, yeah. so it's gone. We got a table, about five, six of us, hometown heroes, all living in New York, pumped for the undefeated season, just rooting so hard for this shit against the Giants, these motherfuckers. It's Pat's bar. Everybody's a Pat's fan. That bullshit, crazy on the head, ridiculous catch happens. Last second, the fucking Giants, Eli Manning, who people have had the balls to tell me I look like and I played a fucking clone of on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. (laughs) Felt very strange wearing his jersey. This fucking idiot comes dancing over some weirdo giant fan that's wandered into this place to our table. This place is packed. To the gills with Pats fans. You're just looking for trouble. And he gets in our face, right? The table's elevated. It's got a little railing. And he just starts pointing in my face and screaming. Ah, ha, 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 ah. I lost it. Mid-20s. I'm like an emotional fucking wreck. Lost my mind. Picked up a shot glass, like one of the big jiggers, more like a rocks glass yeah. with a thick glass bottom. And my buddies grabbed me and went, no, don't. And I just ripped free and started like throwing people aside to get to him. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to fucking do to this guy, but I'm going to do something to him. I was shaking. Dude, I was just so angry. emotions run so high. You don't do that kind of shit. You don't. Unless you, really you want to really get your can. ass kicked. That's... And this was the last time I went out in public for one of these things other than working. I found him. And thankfully, it was so packed, it took me like two minutes to get to him. So I'd cooled down a little bit. And he was trying to chat up some girl at the bar. And I just went up behind him and grabbed him behind his neck and squeezed. And he froze like a kitten. (laughs) And I just put my lips to his ear and I said, your team won. Be a fucking gentleman. And I turned around and walked away and put the glass on the table. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, what's wrong with me? I got to get out of this place. I can't believe they just fucking lost the perfect season. Yeah. I'm a pretty rational guy. I'm stone fucking sober. Most of my anger issues have been handled years and years ago, even at that point. But emotions run high. Don't antagonize. Don't go out there trying to cause shit for people. I'm actually, I'm going down to Philadelphia. I got to be with my people for this one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I'm going to be, if I wasn't, I would go to my old bar, Woji's. It was the first Eagles bar in New York City. There's two locations in the West Village in downtown. So if you are an Eagles fan, I highly recommend go to Woji's, W-O-G-I-E-S. They are the Eagles bar. Yeah. You know, and get there very early because 
I mean, it's just going to be a sea of green. Well, thankfully, there's two of them. I would definitely recommend any and all Pats fans to go to Professor Tom's on 2nd Avenue yeah. between 12th and 13th Street. Tom's, T-H-O-M, Professor Tom's. But I really can't recommend that because it's going to be fucking flooded with people anyway that go there every week. And if you don't already know about it, there's no way you're really going to get in. Yeah, it's so, tough. So come see me. Yeah. I'm not going to fucking New England. I'll be at the bar. Come up to Two Door Tavern. So if you can't get in the Wojis, go to Two Door Tavern. Oh, you fuck know. you. Keep them away. <laughs> Keep them away. No, the cool thing is Saturday night somebody came up to me and they're like, dude, I didn't know this was a Pat's bar. And somebody behind him goes, this is a Pat's bar? And everybody else kind of starts like looking around confused. And somebody said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't know this was a Pat's bar? I'm laughing my ass off. It's not a Pat's bar. So the kid who initially said it goes, yeah, man, it, it's a Pat's bar. But I came here last week and, and it really wasn't. There weren't that many Pat's fans. I said, that's because I was in L.A. And they went, oh, you're a Pat's fan? I go, dude, every week the Pats play, I'm in my fucking Brady jersey, either being loved or hated. Well, just to keep in mind, I am in my Brian Westbrook jersey yeah, right now. Yeah, you so, are. You know, I'm surprised you didn't bring that up. No, no, my Brady know, jersey. He's my favorite eagle of all time. You know, Weapon X is just the He was a bad motherfucker. Uh, I like Brian Westbrook a lot. You got to love him. I'll give it to him. Well, Anthony, best of luck to you and the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 52. I am Bowl not going to wish you luck. Hey, I'm wishing it to you. In any way, shape, or form. you're going to need it against touchdown fucking Tommy, TB12, and Bill the Brain Belichick. E-A-G-L-E-S. <laughs> Eagles! <laughs> Tons of love, listeners. Enjoy the game. Be safe out there. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Real Tales from the Bar Side. Be sure to tip your bartenders and tip us by subscribing, liking, leaving us a review. That stuff helps like hell, and we really appreciate it. So thank you again. Hope you enjoyed yourself, and we'll catch you next week.